Welcome back to Trending in Education. Dan Straffer, Mike Palmer, Melissa Griffith along with you on this episode. And today we're talking about data privacy, something that has been in the news many times over, over the past year and many years, obviously. Stories about colleges collecting data. Uh, there's new Pew Research on what Americans know about their data and the privacy they're in, uh, but always want to check in first. Melissa, welcome back. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Glad to be back here again. Michael, how about yourself? I'm doing, I'm doing well. I'm trying to figure out whether it's data privacy or data privacy, uh, because we're going to be talking about the- Definite the, data privacy. The European Union, uh, GDPR. Uh, and I think if you're talking GDPR, you're sort of going to Europe, which maybe it's data privacy, right? And, uh, and then also, uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting time to be uh, a user of the internet. Uh, is my my high level thinking so uh, you kind of can't you can't avoid using it but when you use it you're putting data out there and that then becomes who you are uh, so I think it's an interesting uh, topic for us to explore and to figure out uh, what are the right ways to operate as an individual user of technology user the like consumer of data producer of data and then also to wear the hat of uh, uh, an organization or an educator who's trying to engage with learners who may have some concerns about how their data is used. Uh, it's, a, it's a hugely relevant topic. I'm excited to have Melissa on uh, to, I'm just excited to have Melissa on period, but then uh, specifically to talk about something that is, is extremely germane uh, to the current zeitgeist uh, welcome back, Melissa. It's good to have you. Uh, no, glad, glad to be here, definitely. Um, data privacy, um, I, I love to talk about it. Uh, I like to, to um, put it out there that I, I used to be this, the person that was like so protective of my data. I, I closed on my Facebook accounts, my Twitter accounts, but, like, and everything else. And I, I wanted to make sure I was not out there on the internet. And then a couple of years ago, I just realized it wasn't worth it. Like it was going to get out there no matter what. And so I became very open. Um, I get more value out of the information that even though I believe Google is tracking my every move, mm -hmm. I get more value out of it thus far. And I, I, um, I try to be safe and responsible about it. And I trust that Google, which may be a mistake, is, is being safe with my, my data. And I, I think that is a trade-off everyone's going to have to make for themselves, right? Like. Um, how much are you willing to be protective of your data versus how much value are you getting from it, right? And yes. I get a tremendous amount of value from it. So always love to have this conversation. Uh, love to talk about it in relation to just the education, healthcare, security, and, and everything else. Yeah, and uh, I've heard it positioned as a trade-off between convenience and privacy, right. which, I, which yeah. I think is probably the main place. Although I think there's other ways to think about that may be even more beneficial than convenience where like insight and um, you know, clarity in terms of uh, what you should be doing and, and like getting the most value, which I guess is convenience. But I think when it's positioned as convenience versus uh, privacy, I think that may understate the benefit on the, 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 the opening up your data where like it's really not just convenient it's also insightful and um in many ways uh it accelerates your uh progress in your life 
if you're willing to concede that your data is more publicly available. Interestingly, there's more uh, movement lately, uh, I think Andrew Yang was talking about this, uh, to figure out the actual uh, monetary value of our data. Right. And when we're offering our data up to platforms like Facebook and uh, you know, LinkedIn and Twitter, is there, is there a, a way to understand the, the monetary value of that data? And is there a way to recognize that for the individual user? Um, that might be a bit of a pipe dream, but there is a way that this is being understood on the, the, the corporate side that I think uh, isn't necessarily understood all the time at the individual user side. And that's why um, I thought the, the Pew research that, uh, that you were talking about, Dan, uh, I think was really interesting in that some of us are spending a lot of time thinking about this stuff and making choices uh, like you were making, Melissa, in, in both directions where, you know, some of us are choosing to exit these platforms, delete our histories, delete our accounts. Others are choosing to operate with awareness that that data is used in a lot of different ways and are, are acting in, a, in an informed way when we uh, consent to that. And then many users are just unaware right. that these issues exist at all. And, uh, and Dan, I think that was the, the, the Pew research that, that, that you were uh, citing. I also like to say Pew, Pew, but, uh, but the Pew research that you were describing, apologies. Uh, none, none necessary. Well, none no, Melissa, Melissa, our <laughs> listeners couldn't hear her eye roll. They so, could hear it. They so could hear that. They, maybe they could. But you want to you talk a little bit about that? Uh, sure. And I think it's uh, worth pointing out. This is uh, research from uh, Pew Research on 4, sorry, 4,272 adults were asked a total of 10 questions around data privacy and data at large, and largely found that less than half uh, had any real sense of what was going on in data privacy in the U.S., in the world. Uh, there are questions around uh, two-step uh, authentication for signing into a website or maybe into your email. Uh, there was a distinct uh, misunderstanding of exactly how data was collected via cookies, via websites. I'm sure all of you have seen, you mentioned uh, GDPR, uh, you log onto a website for the first time, typically at the bottom of the page, there's a question there that is asking you if it's okay for that site to track your cookies. I've gotten so knee-jerk reaction to just hit yes. Mike, you're talking about opting in, opting out of these mm -hmm. sort of things. But Melissa, uh, maybe if you could, I know we're talking before we start recording, defining GDPR as well, uh, what that is, how that plays into all this, and then we'll get back to the Pew, uh, how that plays into the entire conversation as well. Uh, so GDPR, GDPR at is like as its core is a law that was enacted in Europe to protect uh, the privacy of the their citizen. And what I want to do, it was a very comprehensive law. Um, some may argue, maybe even me, that it, it is extremely restrictive, right, in, in what a company can and cannot collect. And and so at the core of it, it, it says that if a if a user says uh, it wants to understand what the company, a company, any company is collecting on them or wants them to delete that information, the company has a certain amount of time to um, actually comply with that law. And it makes sense, right? Like it, it is there to protect uh, the, the population of Europe and it's there to protect the people of Europe. And it's there to say like, look, you have a right to know what you have, what the company is collecting on you and you have a right to say the company can no longer collect that information. They need to delete it. And mm -hmm. so 
in that sense, it's fair. I will argue that laws like that are sometimes so prohibitive that it stifles in innovation. And I think you can see that a lot in, in Europe, that Europe is going to start to fall behind other countries like the United States or even China in their ability to actually move forward in data innovation, mm -hmm. which is the next frontier in my mind in, in information. Yeah, and interestingly, I, I think a lot of multinational uh, corporations will then try to work around the the constraints of GDPR. So, like they'll they'll base their operations out of less stringent um, geographies to 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 try to skirt some of the um, some of the constraints that are here. And then even outside of that, some of the innovation that'll happen. You mentioned China. Um, China is not constrained by any of this and is very uh, actively pursuing uh, the AI race. You know, like uh, arguably we were beyond the space race and we're now in this machine learning AI race with China and elsewhere. And in, play, in societies where it's more accepted that the state will understand what you're doing at all times and that that data will just be comfortably made available to uh, to any organization within uh, within your state, um, that opens up opportunities to innovate much faster, to access much larger data sets, and then to begin to realize more of the promise of machine learning. So um, I think a lot of what you're voicing there, Melissa, is, is, is certainly interesting, and it is interesting from a a global competitive lens, where like in some ways, uh, you know, the European Union is going to be the most restrictive environment. The US it has a little more flexibility, although I think there's increased interest in the US to, to establish more, uh, more regulation around, uh, around individual data uh, driven, uh, maybe not exclusively, but I would say, you know, maybe primarily by some of the, the challenges Facebook's uh, encountered uh, of late, whether it's Cambridge Analytica, uh, or, uh, you know, the list does continue to go on where there's there's many many places where facebook is is in the news for uh for for dangerous reasons or for reasons that are that are sort of potentially uh you know running counter to individual uh individual rights around their own data but then you look at china as an alternative to that china is is unencumbered by any of that so if you think about it even from the context of learning, like if China is developed, you know, we talked recently about uh, Himalaya, which is China's, um, you know, audio-based uh, learning platform, uh, and it's a it's very prevalent uh, way in which learners in uh, in China are getting access to learning content. Um, they're not constrained by GDPR. They're not even constrained by the regulatory climate of the U.S., and they're also not constrained by the the concept of ind individual liberty and uh, data privacy, which is in some ways consistent to, to like US culture, that opens up tremendous opportunities to get access to that data and then to genuinely innovate against that data. And um, Melissa, I'd love to hear you know, your thoughts about that because I think you are um, probably on the more, um, you're, you're more open to, um, the 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 potential for innovation around these things if the regulatory climate doesn't stifle uh innovation so so i'd love to hear you try to flesh out that that 
that angle? Yeah, so I, I mean, I will say a couple things. Uh, Facebook's actions are the reason something like GDPR exists. Like Absolutely. it's a, they're, they're like, they're reactions to the same thing, right? And I, I think we, we have to find a balance and I'm not saying I am, I err on the side of just give them the data and if they do wrong, like let them face re repercussions for it versus um, let's like stifle, like let's regulate it up, regulate, the, regulate everything around data so much so that you're gonna stifle innovation and countries that are less willing to like uh, uh, less willing to like uh, curb data privacy are, are going to get ahead. So for me, like I have seen the clear value of using data, using data in healthcare, using data in education, uh, using data in security. So I'll give a perfect example, right? Uh, recently, and I'm I may be and everyone can tell me if I'm wrong. I may be at the behind the scenes on this, right? But I signed up for uh, I I had a doctor. In, in a certain healthcare system. And I went to them and I found that they had all my information there and they were, they were showing me what they had on, me, like all my medical information was online. I could get it on a regular basis. And rather than me going, oh man, that sucks. I went, I'm only going to be in this healthcare system right now. So I have my primary care, my gynecologist, like any doctor I see is now within that system because I believe it leads to comprehensive healthcare. Like I don't have to remember what my my doc my neurologist said to me. My my general uh, my general doctor has it already. And I think that there is tremendous value in that. Mm -hmm. Now again, one may suggest and I hope my team isn't listening that I am a trust in sort when it comes to to this um, this thing because I do. I trust that that healthcare system will protect my information and they will only use it for my comprehensive care. Mm -hmm. And I see value in that. Very similar, I, I, I see that in my ability. I would like to go to the airport. I, I commit no crimes. I would like to go to the airport and be able to just go through customs. Like, like I have global entry. I've given the government my information. I've said, check me for as much as you like. And now let me walk freely through the airport mm -hmm. and, and you can monitor my movement. That's, that, there's value in that. Mm -hmm. Right, and so that's like I and I believe there will be more and more innovation like that where data makes your life easier. Right. If we allow it to go forward, and if we don't allow it to go forward, then I I worry that other countries will do it. Other countries will get ahead in innovation. Right, and I think there's a lot to be said for that argument. Except I I, I do think the Pew research that Dan was citing is interesting, where you may be an exception to the general population who is who is using airports or using Facebook or you, like generating data that the majority of the individuals who are using these platforms and are being surveilled in different ways don't realize that that's happening and 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 I think that is that 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 means two things to me that means one, we need, we need to think about how to educate the populace better about how their data is being used. And then secondly, I think we do need to give options to opt out. And that's why there are cases where if security is a, is a, greater, um, a greater good than individual privacy, I understand there are cases where that will make more sense. Yeah. But I, do, I, I think there, there is uh, a good argument to be made for caution in the spaces where we're ceding civil liberties and privacy 
for the sake of security. I feel like that is a that is a real like meaty conversation to dive into. Many of us are making those decisions with some knowledge, varying yeah. degrees of knowledge. Many of us are just passively using these platforms without awareness. Uh, I would agree with you, Dan, too, is like frequently I am, I'm just powering through, I'm accepting user right. agreements. I'm, I'm allowing cookies to be used just because I ain't got time for that. But I think the idea that we could educate our populace better, and I like to say fiduciary, and that the, the platforms that are leveraging this data for their own benefit are adopting a similar level of responsibility that a bank does when it's holding on to your money to say, I have really a sacred trust here and I need to take that thing seriously. Um, I think those are, those are genuine counterpoints to everything you had outlined, uh, Melissa. Yeah. So one plus one to the education, right? I think that's where I, um, like education is for me, the key, right? Like rather than saying, look, 90% of the population or whatever uh, percent of the population doesn't understand how data is used. Therefore, I, as, as a government or I, as some regulatory body, I'm going to come in and um, put my viewpoint upon them and restrict it based on what I feel is right, mm -hmm. right, is, is what I argue against. I believe educating more of the, the population into understanding the trade-offs they're making between data, just like I have been very clear. I have made a very conscious trade-off, a trade-off that I know a lot of people do not necessarily agree with, but I've made that trade-off that I find value. I think we have to educate more people in it, right? right? Because I, I worry that even, let's, let's take it to education for a second. Mm -hmm. I worry that a lot of parents, right, are, are making, are very concerned and rightfully so about their kids' privacy, mm -hmm. right? And so they are in, within education, they're making choices to say, I don't want you to use my, my child's data Right. Whereas actually allowing the allowing companies like an education companies, particularly an education companies who are trustworthy mm -hmm. to use that data, to anonymize that data and to use that data to actually advance the education, not just of their kids, but every kid. It's, it's a good thing. Right? right. But parents are making knee jerk reactions because they are uninformed. And, uh, and a lot of the rhetoric out here is that like sharing your data is bad. Right. And I'm saying, what I'm saying is sharing your data is not necessarily bad. Sharing your data with irresponsible companies is bad. And let's right. not, let's make the, like a distinction between the two things. Yeah. And I, I like where you're going there. I guess it, it raises a, a couple of questions though. Like one is whose responsibility is it to educate the consumer? Could we, can we trust the private sector to educate the consumer or does, does someone else need to do it? Like is Facebook the right place for uh, Facebook users to learn about data privacy. I think there's some tricky conflicts of interest there where I'm not sure they would do, do that fairly. So that maybe that is a place where, maybe that is the angle through which regulation comes in is uh, really uh, government sponsored or, or independently sponsored uh, education efforts to make sure folks understand how their data is being used on the one hand. So that's, that's yeah. the first point. And then I think the second point is if we were to accept your approach, which uh, I'm, not, I'm not adverse to it, I actually think there's a lot of value in it. It does increase the need for really good cybersecurity and really good protection against breaches because once this 
once my identity and my genetic makeup, my face, my voice, everything that is me is now, now exists in a digital format, that, that opens up to increasing risk. The more data that I allow to exist that is tied to me as an individual, the more that data exists in the cloud, in these platforms, uh, we know that there are many nefarious actors out there who are looking to take advantage of that data. There, there's, there's plenty of stories of data breaches, whether it's by, um, by government actors or by individual hackers or by, um, by many of the, the dangerous forces that exist on the internet. Um, how do we, so I got two questions. I'm gonna, I'm gonna reframe them. The first one is whose responsibility is it to educate uh, the, the individual consumer on data privacy, the individual citizen on data privacy is the first question. And then secondly, if, if you do wanna be in favor of uh, more of an open data scenario, how do we ensure that uh, individual data is, is secure? Um, those are the places where I think regulatory agencies or NGOs or, or maybe governments uh, do need to get more involved. But, uh, but I'd like to maybe hear back from you on, uh, on this one. This is good, this is a little point counterpoint. We haven't done this on the show in a while. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we have not. We, we knew we were gonna be on the opposing sides of this. So like, first of all, Facebook has shown themselves to not be responsible mm -hmm. in, in, in our use of data, right? So mm -hmm. I do not think that Facebook can come out as a leader in this. I wanna be clear that I am not a fan of how Facebook has used their uh, data, how Facebook has uh, has worked, like ha has just governed themselves as a company recently. Mm -hmm. That that being said, I do think they are one. I think it's, uh, I believe education, this may just be me, it's a personal responsibility. I, I should be able to go out there and seek like information and be able to find it and be able to understand what, our, what a trusted source looks like, aka New York Times, versus what not a trusted source looks like, Facebook. Right, but in addition to that, I do think teaching this at, from a younger age, especially mm. right now, like yep. as we grow up, we're going to grow up in a world where data is going to be far more prevalent, and actually starting to teach it in 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 colleges and in high school, and even as as young as in in pre, um, primary school or in America, I guess you guys call that K through eight. Uh, like that is the that's that's where I'll start to bring bring about that that information. Mm -hmm. And then to your second point, yes, like I believe where government does come in, and I I will be a huge like a huge fan of this. So how you secure data? What are the requirements that if you're going to collect a certain level of information, having secure policies around how you keep it, being able like for the government or from some other governing body to actually be able to regulate it mm -hmm. and see that you make sure you are actually complying with all the security standards. I think is key, especially when it comes to like healthcare information, which mm -hmm. is extremely personal and, and um, financial information. I, I think that is plus one to that. Yeah, I mean, not, not to, I mean, I would include also like genetic information, yeah. like, like the level of data that is exposed to these organizations is, can, if you go on a paranoid, uh, you know, you go on a paranoid wormhole, uh, you, uh, is it a wormhole? I don't know, whatever it, it is. Yeah. Uh, if you go too far down that road, you can uh, wind up just wanting to, you know, uh, 
get your tinfoil hat ready and get completely off off the grid and like that that's probably unrealistic but but i i do wonder how uh individuals can understand this in a way that is truly informed because i i do think there is a crisis of truth crisis of trust that's happening where like you know you mentioned the new york times but like a lot of people may not trust the New York Times these days. And a lot of people may get the New York Times through Facebook. And like, I think the complexity through which, the lenses through which we consume data, inf- the way we consume information, not even data, you know, because I think information is the next level beyond, the data just exists. And then the information is more uh, once there's like a, a, a lens of understanding that's applied to data, then it becomes information. And then like, how do we train that um, and how do we um, make informed decisions in an increasingly complex world where like the there's always the option of exiting these platforms and many of us are doing that but we're also entering this this phase where many of these platforms are difficult to exit because there aren't many other options so like if you want sure you could stop using facebook uh and google and amazon but like then the trade-off between privacy and convenience starts to get to be pretty painful and i'm not sure that the marketplace is going to necessarily going to be able to uh respond to these pressures so like facebook's going to be doing everything it can to reestablish its its prevalence and and continue to grow um I'm not sure that viable alternatives are going to be able to emerge unless there is a critical look, and it does look like that is potentially coming in the U.S., that it's a critical look at some of these actors to have some sense of accountability and some sense of ad- advocacy for, for the individual, particularly if the individual may be uninformed and doesn't really have access to the education that we're describing. You know, like it there's a huge need for this education, but, um, you know, we, we, uh, full disclosure, there's a, you know, Graham Holdings company, Cyber Vista, that's focused on, uh, educating, uh, aspiring practitioners of cybersecurity. That's an emerging field. Like that is very, we're very in the, very much in the early stages and generally like the way the law works, it responds to bad actors right. and the bad actors act first then the law catches up and then the education catches up. I just think it's a place where being fully aware of the risk is a service that organizations like ours and individuals like us uh, should, should really take on uh, even if we're sort of uh, on your side of this argument, Melissa, which, which I think I probably am. Like I actually, I'm very hopeful about the promise of machine learning, but and AI and like leveraging this data to 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 do great things. But I feel like if there are no checks on it, um, I'm concerned that things could break bad, and that the popular consciousness is going to almost overreact to become overly stringent. And I'm just not sure how we get out of all this. Um, 
I think a first step, and we talked about it before we started recording, is uh, legislation from Oregon Democrat uh, Senator Ron Wyden, which is being dubbed the Mind Your Own Business Act. Uh, but it is uh, strictly, mainly targeting Facebook uh, in reaction to some of these problems Facebook has had with Instagram and the WhatsApp. Uh, but the, the proposal here is to uh, charge 4% of the annual revenues of the companies who are seen to improperly handle private data of their users. So not a fine of some sort from the FTC, but going after them on their annual revenues and charging them a large uh, price there. But also the legislation goes further in wanting to offer consumers one-click ability to opt out. So being able to say, no, I do not want this done. And then even further, uh, making for major tech uh, products to have to have a privacy-friendly section to it uh, that allows for uh, quality interaction while still getting the privacy. So whether or not this comes off the ground, Mike, to your point, whether this becomes legislation that gets passed, the discussion is happening. The reaction is happening to what Facebook has been doing and to what uh, could be out there. I, I will also, uh, you talking about the idea of genetics being out there, uh, my personal information being out there, but also the idea of YouTube videos and even this podcast that all of that's connected to my name and the idea of deep fakes that are growing uh, in the world uh, that that could all be connected never crossed my mind. But now a little bit of paranoia may have set in that one day uh, I could be saying things I never said before out there on a podcast that I don't even host. Yeah. So that... I mean, a, a little paranoia is healthy. And I mean, if that's one, that's one thing to take away from this show, it's like a little bit of paranoia is healthy, but like, hiding in the bunker and not engaging in life is, is dangerous. Um, I think if, if there's one takeaway, it's that, for me at least, it's that we need better education about all of this and we yes. are a learning and education podcast. And uh, you know, I do share some of your concerns, Melissa, around the government regulating this uh, based in part on what I've seen from some of the, the Senate hearings uh, that I, that where, truly uninformed senators are asking really simple and kind of like dumb questions about the even the business model of a Facebook or a Google or an Amazon. And it's, it's troubling to me that the folks who would actually regulate this don't even understand the technology that's emerging. They don't understand yeah. the complexity of this. And that's where, like, I do think that we're entering this dangerous phase in uh, our intellectual history where a very thin slice of the population understands the complexity that we're struggling with. And the, 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 the majority of us, you know, probably 80, 90% of the population ain't got time for that. And I and think that that doesn't that, care. Yeah. So, but, and, and how, how do we grapple with that? And how do you develop the products and services that generate value there when in many ways, it's almost like a mindset shift that the majority of folks just don't have time for. Yeah. Uh, so, so lest I be, I be seen anti-government, which I am not, I believe the, the government will eventually like more and more people who understand this will eventually start running. Right. Uh, for for Congress and Senate, and will be there will be a more informed government, and and to the extent that it becomes much more of a prevalent thing in our society, for sure that will happen. 
So I do believe in time government regulation will uh, be able to catch up. My, my, my general worry, right, when it, when it comes to all of this, it's like, I don't, like, for me, and I, I said it at the top of this show, and I'll say it again, I don't, the trade-off is not worth it for me at this point. Mm -hmm. Like, I believe that, like, what I get from, like, allowing my data to be out there is far more valuable than what I get. Like, what, what the, what I lose in, in the risk, right? That being said, like, I, unlike Dan or anyone on this show, does not have a, like, need for prominence, right? And so, to the extent, Dan, that someone took over my voice or my likeness, like, yay you, like, good luck with whoever, whoever cares, whoever cares about it, enjoy it, use it, have fun with it, let me know how it works out for you, is, is the way I generally feel about stuff. It's, it's kind of like, it's a corollary to there's no such thing as bad press, you're yeah. saying there's no such thing as a bad deep fake. Uh, no, I'm just saying that deep fake in me, I don't know what they'll get out of it, but yeah. maybe they'll use it. Maybe they'll use me to commit a crime, and then I will be sitting in, in jail somehow, saying, "I'm sorry, I didn't understand how bad this was for me." Right. <laughs> so I'm. I may be encouraging people to do that right now. I'm not, but like. Well, I guess I mean, if I just if I'm hearing you right, you're saying like there's a lot of concern about hypothetical threat. Yeah. When, and when the actual likelihood of those risks impacting an individual is, is really small. So you're saying if you do that calculation, yeah. the benefit of being maybe a little more on the trusting side of the equation will net out more positive than being uh, overly risk averse and, uh, you know, conservative about how you engage with these platforms and your own data privacy. Yeah, and, and what I was saying, this may be taken as a step too far, but uh, I will make another uh, a, a point, right? Like I think most companies, most, not all, and uh, like there are companies out there that act in good, mm -hmm. in good faith, right? And yep. act in good responsibility. So I have had my, my identity or my credit card or my ID stolen three or four times. And every time it's happened, either American Express or Chase or someone else, they have mm -hmm. caught the issue and they yep. have acted responsibly. Right. I think, and again, they may do it because there are so many, like there are regulations out there that tell them to act responsibly. That's right. what I think needs to happen with the use of my data. Right. Like if a breach occurs that you didn't secure my data, like you should be penalized or you should have be like do everything to make what has happened to me right. And right. as long as you do that, I will continue to trust you. I have never right. left American Express, or I'm not left that uh, chase because they like my data has been been breached. I never will because they always um, counterbalance it. Yeah, and that's in some ways gets back to you know the the power of the marketplace and the ability to opt out. Like if there are other solutions that can provide you the same benefits that are more protective of your data, then as a consumer, you have the option to shift to switch. I just think it does tie a little bit to your point earlier, which I thought was a really great one, which is once your data is in one platform, it's less likely that you're going to move. So yes. like once you get the, the benefit of your data being on this platform for many years, they're accumulating more and more data, it increases the risk of a breach and it increases the it decreases the likelihood that you will actually opt out because you have so much invested in your data being on that platform. So I, I, agree, I agree that like the ultimately an informed consumer will make good choices. Yeah. And if the brands you're working with are not protective of your data, 
you have the freedom to, to exit, but, uh, but I wouldn't necessarily accept that there's not a role for uh, regulation around uh, these activities. I'm just not particularly confident that that, that that will come out of our Congress considering yeah. some of the challenges that our government is facing these days. I just don't yeah. think they have time for this either. Yeah, so I so my closing point uh, on on this topic is this, right? Like with innovation, right? With innovation, I think uh, a lot of what you're saying goes away. Like I will be more willing to move to another company if a company has more like overwhelming value than let's say Google is providing to me now. The problem is if we if you put too much regulation on uh, on on this uh, on data privacy and on data innovation right now. I, I don't know where the next innovation is going to come from because only companies who can lobby really hard or companies who can like spend enough money to secure the data are going to are going to win are, are going to stay in this game and that is my worry about stifling innovation so i do think the government does have a role to play in it i think the rules around security and around enforcement of security uh regulations mm -hmm. yeah and just to close on this end uh i would say two things. One is this entire conversation reinforces the importance of education and the importance of informing all of us. None of us know this 100%. Uh, look for trusted actors who are genuine in their desire to provide good learning outcomes for all of us, because this is stuff we're all learning on the one hand. And then I think the second part is uh, I'm not convinced that we have mechanisms in place to regulate this stuff. So the regulation in some ways may be more dangerous than uh, the marketplaces themselves. So I'm not sure the right way to solve that, but I would be curious uh, if any of our listeners or maybe we could bring in some experts who have new models that will establish standards, you know, so that all, all learning data is adopted in a similar way. It's anonymized in a similar way reminds me of the, the way sort of internet standards have developed. Those were somewhat governmental in their nature, but are, are there ways in which at least the data standards themselves can assume some conventions so that it's, not, it's no longer proprietary data, it's actually uh, more open and more transparent uh, so that uh, you know, if you do need to move from one platform to another, there are mechanisms that allow you to take your data with you because your data is really should be your own um, ultimately. Yeah. And I think in many cases, it's becoming owned by private corporations who aren't even letting you know that that data is now becoming their uh, proprietary information. And that's the thing that uh, I think we all need to grapple with. Maybe education is a big part of the answer. A conversation that we will uh, certainly stay on top of here as it continues to be part of the national discussion and uh, discussed in the halls of Congress and, and so on. And as uh, Europe continues to grapple uh, certain things and China, of course, this will all stay front and center as we discuss education and learning. Maybe we can come back and find uh, learning platforms that are doing just that, that we can share with you all if you are interested in getting more information on data privacy and data security as we move forward. As always, you can find us at trainingandeducation.com. Appreciate you checking us out there, Trending and Ed on Twitter and on LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash education. Share all, all our episodes there, articles that we are using as well and love to discuss the topics that we talk about here on the show on that platform as well. With that said, thanks as always for listening to Trending in Education. Trending in Education.